Hey guys, welcome to the More Life Podcast. This episode, we are here with the Chris Martin. Not the Coldplay guy, the other the Chris Martin. <laughs> Roll the intro. Welcome to the More Life Podcast, where creatives, problem solvers, and entrepreneurs talk about squeezing more out and finding meaning in this crazy thing we call life. Let's dive in. All right, this week on the More Life Podcast, here with Chris Martin. Chris, I know a lot of people might know your wife a little bit more than you do, than uh, your, the blog, if anything, more than even who your wife is. What's the name of the blog? Amidst the Chaos. Amidst the Chaos. And uh, for a lot of people who may not know who you are, this is somebody, while we're talking, it's going to be best for you to pull out your phone right now, check out on Instagram. What's the Instagram handle? At Amidst the chaos. Okay. Pretty simple. Very simple stuff. And you are Mr. Amidst the chaos. Mr. Amidst the chaos. That's okay. correct. So you can check out some of the stuff that they do there. This is a lifestyle, uh, home, family, entertainment. Family lifestyle brand is yeah. what we call ourselves. Yeah. And you guys have been doing this for how long now? Uh, it started in January of 2015. The blog officially launched. And that was just with... Your wife. Yeah, just my wife. She wanted a creative outlet. She had worked for years, worked full-time, worked part-time, and uh, we had just had our third child, and she was at home, and she was bored, and she needed a creative outlet. A mommy blog. It started at just like a mommy blog, like um, people that do that, you know, when they're on maternity leave or something like that, and it turned it into like a real business so chris stunt on us a little bit how many followers does christine right now have or the brand have between the two of you guys i think uh, i think christine is close to seventy thousand followers yeah. on instagram uh i think we have a few thousand uh facebook followers uh we just crossed over ten thousand youtube subscribers awesome um I know we get lots of Pinterest views. I'm not sure if those count right, right. like half a, half, a mil, half a million Pinterest views a month Whoa. this month. Um, no, not this month. Leading into Christmas, it okay. was big. Okay. Um, and then I have like uh, seven TikTok subscribers. <laughs> That's better than like the zero TikTok subscribers that I have. Uh, I'm definitely trying to, trying to not just consume TikTok and maybe post something have on it. Have you posted a video? I have like two right now. Really? Yeah. I got to find you. I'm not following you yeah, on you, TikTok. You, you got to get me on TikTok. It's really my kids, um, but they're funny. So we try to do some fun stuff together. Do you follow Gary V on TikTok? I do. You do? Yeah. I yeah. figured as much. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Okay. <laughs> so I think with like with your story and uh, you and Christine, um, you guys both kind of fell into this. It kind of happened to you. I don't think you ever thought like, you know, over five years ago, six years ago, somewhere to say, hey. This is going to be your business because you no longer work a regular nine to five job. You and your wife both run this company that it kind of has taken off and she kind of retired you from your previous life. And now you guys both work on this brand and you're about to launch uh, a more uh, uh, incorporated brand that's going to be doing a, more than just some influencer stuff in a blog, but it's yes. going to be a full fledged uh, media company. Yeah. Well, when Christine launched the blog back in 2015, it was about a creative outlet for sure. But at the same time, she very much wanted to provide income for our family. You know, we had gone from working, both of us working and making an income. Uh, we, we moved 
from one city into Toronto, which was way more expensive place to it. live. I believe it. Fourth largest city in North America. It's ex- as expensive as uh, New York City. So think of it that way. Yeah. And so we had just bought a house and we had three kids, three young kids. Um, and so she wanted to do something creative. But like I said, she wanted to make money. And she told me that you know, oh, I want this blog to make money. And I thought like, oh, that's cute. I don't think I, I don't think I knew that, that she had the idea that maybe we can make some, some ad revenue off of this, right? Like run, she's thinking maybe banner ads. Like that, that's what I yeah. assumed because yeah. I had a friend who had like, a, he had a design blog. He's a graphic designer. And I asked him, like, how much money does it make you? He's like, <laughs> it makes me $12 and 50 cents a month on 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 banner ads and so i assumed that's what it was going to be and you know i i believed in my wife though um i believed that she would turn it into something that generated uh significant income like the kind of income that would have an impact because like five years previous she wanted to make more money and she launched a wedding planning business oh really i think grew I like yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so it grew like crazy and she was one of the uh most reputable wedding planners for a few years in the kitchener waterloo area there you go. and again i like uh, i didn't think that that would become a huh. big thing and it did so when she said i'm gonna do a blog and i want it to make money i thought well then it probably will and wow. uh and so I think the first year it didn't really make uh, a lot of money. Yeah. Um, I think maybe uh, a thousand bucks uh, at the most. Great. And like some cool free swag. You know, we had a couple of brands send us stuff, a few things that we still use in our house to this day. Yeah. Um, I think we got to go go to some interesting things that we wouldn't have normally been invited to. And then uh, the next year she definitely started to generate like a sizable income, you know, not a full-time income, but still it was like a good chunk of money that we used in, in our home. And, uh, and then I got, uh, I got let go from my job from a uh, staff restructuring. Yeah. And that summer, um, we're trying to figure out, okay, what do we, what do we do next? I was looking for other jobs and it was around then that the blog really took off. Um, what year was that? That's 20... 2016. Okay. 2016. So Christine's timing is huge here. So in the middle or the beginning of the influencer marketing world, that's kind of when she was already positioning herself yep. with the discipline of posting regularly, finding people who would maybe sponsor her or send her packages. One of the first things that I saw online that you guys received that I was like, extremely jealous of was like when you guys got like a box from netflix oh yeah it was on the internet i was like i got a a box from netflix i watch so much netflix they've never sent me a box i spend so much money on netflix because i give them my money and i watch it all the time they've never sent me a box and here you guys have a box and it had a whole bunch of swag and i think it was the one that had um had like beat bugs it was a show that wasn't even out yet on netflix you got an early release access to it and that's when i was kind of thinking to myself oh man this is actually um, uh, not just a hobby that she's doing, brands are recognizing who she is. I don't know how early on that was in your guys' journey, but for 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 both you and your family, moving into that direction when you're seeing like boxes show up at your door, people value your opinion and what you say about it. How did that like how did that change 
how you the, the dynamic of the home, right? Like back then, you guys, I remember your home back then. It was a townhouse, um, not as much space, especially when you got three kids. So you guys were converting that one room uh, to the side where you were kind of storing stuff, and that's kind of like the office. Like you start receiving stuff, and it's now becoming like, oh no, this is stuff for mommy's work. Like, yeah, how was that in the house? It was. I think it was weird. It was really weird that here she is posting nice pictures to Instagram and people are starting to email like, hey, can you take nice pictures of my things and I'll pay you for it? Like, yes. (laughs) And and like, how much would it cost me? And we would just make up numbers because I feel like (laughs) the early days of influencer marketing it's funny before it was called influencer marketing yeah. it was just called out of a blog or i'm like you know what i mean like people that word influencer is still relatively new yeah it, it's funny to say the early days it's progressed so quickly oh, yeah. you know this was only four years ago um it it was like the wild west and we would just throw numbers out like yeah that'll cost a thousand dollars to show me wiping my kid's nose with your booger wipes <laughs> that a real and, story and, yeah. <laughs> and brands are like, great, let's send them to you. Yeah. By the way, if you need any wipes specifically wipes. for boogers, we have hundreds of, yeah. maybe not hundreds of packages. We have dozens of packages. Yeah, I still. don't want to know what the state of your garage is right now. Yeah. It's, that was one hassle that I did not expect is we are constantly having to purge our home of stuff because we just get, they send things to us and I feel bad selling it on the internet. Right. Or, so anyways, you'll go home with a crock pot and 40 crock boxes pot. of goldfish. <laughs> so you guys start in this world of like, okay, we're getting products. We now have an audience and we, that's when you kind of realize, you know, okay, the audience is why people are after us because we have somewhat of an audience or a growing audience. People are like, okay, we want to hire this company or this blog blogger to kind of represent some of the stuff that we're doing was christine or were you guys collectively i know you guys talk a lot in terms of like what you do with the business even before you were working with the business were you guys aware of that saying okay this has to be stuff that matches what the demographic of our um, audience is and who uh what stuff did you guys ever say no to certain things like anything like that um there weren't a lot of things that we said no to uh because we sort of felt like our brand was what we called family lifestyle. You know, she wasn't like a makeup blogger, right. wasn't a food blogger. We didn't want to be considered like a mommy or baby blogger. We just wanted to talk family lifestyle. And just about anybody who approached uh, sort of fell into that. Okay. Uh, there were a few brands that we passed on um, and didn't want to work just because we thought, how can we authentically talk right, right, about right, right, this right. product safety like, boots okay yeah. uh, let's see here <laughs> so so there were a few there were also a few probably over the years two or three partnerships where we kind of look back and say i wish we said no to that yeah um yeah i think anybody who is ever self-employed whether it's a hustle gig or a full-time gig you have those uh regrettable stories where it's like Oh, yeah, I've learned my lesson. I now know what that means when they say that. And I know that the warning signs of what type of uh, um, client this is going to be for me. And you kind of just got to 
shake it off. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? We had a couple of positive experiences early on where a brand sent a product. They wanted a review. Christine used the product for a while and then came back to them and said, yo, you, we have a contract. Uh, your product, I don't think is good. It didn't deliver on what you said. Um, do you want me to write that review? Yeah. And they said, no. And so we didn't write the review uh, and they follow through, followed through on the payment that we agreed to because we use the product. That's pretty good. And, uh, and so that, that was a positive thing. And so we it felt really, like... You, that's like, um, that's research for them. You know, yeah. That's, that's R&D, research yeah. and development. That's somebody, we had a real person, a real mother, family person use this product and they came back and said, didn't make the cut, not in my household. Yeah. So really they should have still paid you in my mind. And so for us, we walked away from that. Like the lesson there was it was better for us to have integrity yeah. and say to the brand, like we're not doing it. And at the end of the day, they were understanding and nobody got upset and they still followed through on their end of the obligation by, by paying out the contract. Well, shoot. I don't see the downside of that, man. Like, <laughs> right? Like, you got to respect your own brand and you're respecting their brand by saying, listen, I don't want to speak, will, you know, like speak bad about your brand. At the same time, I don't want to associate my brand to something that I don't think delivers on what you promise, right? Like, that's a huge uh, marketing faux pas. You don't want to have a core value, something that you're offering, uh, and then you can't deliver on it. And then you lose all the trust and all the value that you have with your clientele. Now, with you guys, with the, um, uh, I guess, the start of the marketing and uh, media company that you guys are doing, what are the new things that you're adding? How does this work now? Or actually, even before we get to that, like, how does, how do you fit in the mix now? Because before, you weren't always here, and Christine kind of, you know, had her own space to do her own thing. Yeah. Now you're breathing all of her oxygen. <laughs> So, so yeah, before I, you know, I offered like a lot of technical support. Yeah. She would come up with a creative idea uh, of a photo shoot she wanted. She would want something decorated or a certain way or laid out a certain way. That was all her arena. Right. And then I would, you know, do the technical side. Okay. Let's capture this with this lens, with right. this camera. Right with these settings and, uh, and you know, we go from there and that was sort of our yin and yang. She came up with the good ideas, uh, the pretty ideas. And then I tried my best to Make them reality, to capture them with a camera or, yep. or whatever. And so it, for a while, for quite a while, um, as the blog grew, uh, I found myself doing more and more like video editing, cool. um, photography, um, really diving into that side of the yep. business, freeing Christine up to build brand relationships, relationships with PR firms, client dealt, acquisition. Yeah, client acquisition. She dealt with emails and and posting the content and and interacting with followers. Where I just got to nerd out and yeah. and uh, that sort of thing. And it got to the point where like I was putting in. Uh, an extra 20-ish hours a week on top of a full-time job. Y'all, just for the listeners, these people are crazy. Um, I remember, like, seeing some of your Instagram stories. Like, you had a full-time job, and you would come home, and part of Christine's blog was that she would be redoing the hallway or redoing a bedroom or redoing a bathroom or a mudroom. 
and you'd be you'd have to do <laughs> you'd have to do it like someone have to swing this hammer and someone have to pull up this drywall and Christine's there helping you but it's a full on secondary job on top of the technical aspects of that job, hey, we want to record this or make this into a mini series for like I know the one room challenge you guys have done and stuff like that, where it's like this is a job on top of a job on top of a job, and this is all before you even were an employee of this company. Yeah, uh, you're speaking specifically about the laundry room. I'm guessing. Yeah, pro- probably. Yeah, <laughs> that that was a very the dark time, time in my life. <laughs> all I remember is being tired. And it being dark out a lot because I was working at night after work. And then during the day, I was just exhausted. But yeah, it was a long, it was a long haul. And it was actually all like following that project. um, We started having the conversation of, is there going to come a point where I stop working my conventional nine to five job and I begin uh, working full time as an employee of the blog. And so that, that particular project is right. what got that conversation right. started. So it, it seems like Christine is like a bit of a serial entrepreneur and you guys now have this secondary business that you guys started. Like she had the wedding business. Now um, she started this blog. And now between the two of you, you guys have this company where you guys are both employed here What's new that you're offering that you weren't offering before? Yeah. So before it was just influencer marketing and, you know, we would make videos for Instagram, videos for YouTube, photos, all of that stuff. Now we've sort of expanded to the point where we are a digital marketing company where um, we help small businesses, uh, come up with their own social media strategy and learn how to use their social media to gain a following and then convert that following into sales or clients. So we'll do that with, uh, with brands. We have uh, a couple of clients on that front. So social media strategy. Um, The thing that we're most excited about though, is probably content creation is creating content that other people use. We've gotten a few clients now where they have a product and they want that product, um, showcased, um, showcased either in video or photo. And we take those photos, we make that video and we hand it off to them and they use it in their social media on their website, uh, on their, their blog or their, their, uh, whatever channels they have. And so that's what we're most excited to start doing more of. Um, so yeah, that's essentially what we're doing. That's where the business is right now. And yeah. And you're just kind of starting this where it's actually a different vertical than what you guys were doing before with just the influencer marketing. You're doing more digital and content marketing yeah. uh, for a, a wide variety range of clientele. And with your with your come up in this and seeing this um, industry kind of explode in the last five years, it, mm-hmm. it has exploded. Everybody is an influencer. Everybody has um, an angle that they're trying to sell or an audience they're trying to promote to other advertisers or agencies. What do you see in like the future? I feel like this is still just the beginning. I feel like there's still a lot of legacy media. And by legacy media, I mean like traditional media that is um, still spending money the old way. Uh, and I think there's still tons of room uh, for anybody to still amass any type of following that they want and then 
pivot that or leverage that to brands because brands are just starting um, to accept the fact that the the twenty million dollar I don't know how much Steve takes cost ad on Super Bowl weekend gets me a certain amount of um, viewership but you can't track it to the detail that you could if it was on a digital platform, let's say on Facebook or on Twitter or Instagram. And if you were to have all of those key performance indicators, the KPIs for that, you there's a, it's a very difficult to have that in like traditional senses or like a radio ad or like a television spot. So what do you see in like the industry now that it kind of uh, excites you? I definitely think that um, traditional media is going to continue to bring in less and less marketing dollars um, is because simply people aren't listening to the radio or watching TV like they used to. So it, it has to change and it, it is changing. We are seeing it change. Um, the Super Bowl is always going to have huge commercials because that is the one time, uh, one of the few times in the year you can guarantee people are watching TV. They're, right. They're, right. The rest of the year, like people aren't watching TV. They're no. binging on Netflix. They're, they're streaming stuff online. They don't have time for commercials. Nobody's watching commercials anymore. Uh, even listening <laughs> to the radio, people are listening to the radio less. They're streaming music uh, off their phone. They're listening to podcasts. You know, I used to listen to sports talk radio on as I drove and, you know, in my 30 minute commute, I would definitely hit like a 10 minute segment of commercials. Yeah. I, yeah. Especially like a uh, uh, satellite radio. And I, I hated that. Yeah. So I actually stopped listening to all sports talk radio and I do audible like audiobooks because yep. there are no commercials. Yep. <laughs> Just, you get more content value, right? Like yeah. I, I, the funny story, my, my kids just, we went on a trip to Quebec City, and that place did not only have Netflix, they had cable. Uh, so there was TV, but with commercials. And yeah. my, my son, who's only was at three years old at the time, started uh, crying because he's like, who changed the show? He didn't get it. And then <laughs> my daughter, who was five at the time, was like, no, it's a, it's a commercial. And I'm like, a what? She goes, a commercial. I'm like, it's a commercial. And I'm like, how do you know it's a commercial? She goes, oh, I always know it's a commercial because the man is talking. I'm like, what? She's like, whenever there's a man talking, that means it's a commercial. I'm like, oh, it's narrated. <laughs> Somebody is narrating it so you know that it's something different. I'm like, that's how you figured that out. I'm like, wow. Because all they've ever known is like, Netflix. Netflix. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. So yeah. it's such a different mentality. And of course, we have like the snackable small size media consumption. And that's why I think TikTok is extremely uh, popular. It's because it's so easy to consume. If I'm in line for like three minutes, I can watch five different TikToks and, and gush about it and be completely entertained by it. And I think you're already seeing with TikTok, advertising is starting starting absolutely and you want to get in on the game and you, everyone is becoming a star on tiktok apparently um but you know you you watch on tiktok and you start to see that okay the, the mainstream media is picking up on it it's not just some random guy who's telling you about the shenzhen secret in china it's now some so it's now a company that you've uh, seen already is now advertising on it as well and you're starting to see okay this is a viable platform everywhere you go mainstream media is slowly but surely uh, acquiring real estate and they're kind of planting their stake in the ground 
Uh, but I still think that with uh, social media, it's such an entrepreneurial segment of marketing. When you think of uh, uh, all of the avenues of marketing, social media is such an entrepreneurial thing. You yourself, I would consider the entrepreneur, you guys are bootstrapping this company and there's no VCs or any type of funding involved in it. How is it that, you, how do you find, you know, doing both? You and Christine both used to work full-time jobs. Now you have this hustle and now you have this business. How do you find the entrepreneurship and owning a business now? Stressful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know what? It was nice when, uh, you know, I think it was last year, this time last year and the year before that, you know, I was making a full-time salary with benefits. It was enough. Oh, benefits. <laughs> I miss you. It was enough salary to sustain our family. Right. And we didn't need anything more. Uh, for our essentials. You weren't richy rich, but you weren't like, you know, yeah, starving. We, we, but then our business was making four times my salary on the side. And so, you know, we loved the, well, if the whole, if the bottom fell out of the influencer industry, we're still fine. Right, 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 right. You had feet we, both, we, both pools. Exactly. We had the stability of a steady, uh, nine to five with benefits that, you know, we can rely on. We're getting paid every, every other week. And, uh, and it covered our, our basic expenses. Um, and now that it's not there, it's 100% the contracts that we can get. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's scary, but it, I also wouldn't trade it. This is why I tell everybody all the time I, I say it's so stressful. And at the same time, I don't think I could work for anybody else ever again. Yeah, for me, it's, you know, at 3 o'clock, 3.30 when my kids get out of school, I go and pick them up and I bring them home. And if I want to play basketball with my son for a half an hour, you just do I it. can. I, I don't have to go back to work. I can I can go back to work after he goes to bed. Yeah. You know, I can, I can hang out with my kids. Uh, I can, I can be there. I can, uh, you know, I can be present in their lives. Um, from the, the entire time they're awake and at home, I'm there. Yeah. I don't know what I would do this last 12 months, this last year, 2019, because my wife was working a regular job and I'm at home. But if I had a regular job, getting the kids ready and off to school and doing the lunches and that stuff. That's some of my favorite part of my day is making them the oatmeal and talking to them about what they were dreaming about last night. Cause there's always some crazy story in there, but that's the type of life we, you are. So the stress is balanced by the luxury of calling your own shots and mm -hmm. having your own, um, your own way. Like you get to do it your own way. And I feel like that's something people are always scared of. And I've heard, you know, Steve Harvey say it like this on, on when he had that Steve Harvey show where like, it's like you have a parachute, but you don't know you have the parachute. You still have to jump and to take that leap. is huge, right? You, for, at least you guys had a chance to kind of ease into it, but even mm -hmm. still it's nerve wracking where it's like, this thing was good. And now because of restructuring, okay, it's changed the whole situation now. And what was a security blanket to, your blog, a blog that had a following, now is going to be a uh, is going to be the security blanket itself 
for our entire family moving mm-hmm. forward. So that I, I when I think of entrepreneurs and what they like go through mentally, what they go through, like okay, I gotta sort this out. There is a stick-to-itiveness that always stands out to it because it's like. Listen, this is our only option, man. I'm like, yeah, we gotta make this work. If yeah. I gotta stay up till two o'clock in the morning, yeah, I guess that's what I'm doing because these bills have got to get paid, and I have people who are depending on me, like clients, and I'm only as good as my last project, my last success. The moment people stop seeing um, how, uh, uh, I'm trying not to use the word influential, but how influential you are with your marketing, then you're you're out of the game. So you you gotta stay on top of it and know. Uh, where your income is coming from and knowing how you show your value to new clients. Like Absolutely. how do you guys, how do you guys do that in terms of knowing where you want to position yourself and keeping up with trends and saying like, listen, I got to be relevant, not just for now, for later. Cause we don't have like, uh, uh, there's no 401k RSP matching plans. With, yep. <laughs> <laughs> at least not now. Like, you know what I mean? Like we have to do a lot more work for, for stuff like that to happen. How do you stay on top of trends? So you have a, so you know you can do this for a long period of time. For us, that was what really led to us launching our sort of boutique marketing firm is we began to realize like we don't control Instagram. Yeah, we're, no. we're not the boss of Instagram. That's not your like, audience. We're doing our thing there, but Instagram makes changes and it has an impact on us. And that impact has, it can change the bottom line. And, uh, you know, Instagram is a business and they want to make money and they want to make more of the money that we're making. So they're changing their platform. And so we realize we can't have all of our eggs in one basket. You know, uh, all social media platforms follow uh, a similar uh, approach in that up front, there's a lot of like organic reach with gotcha. content, easily uh, gaining new followers organically. Um, you know, you can see it in uh, TikTok right now. You look at like uh, Charlie D'Amelio. Yep. Like yep. what Huge. was it? beginning of November was the first time I ever saw one of her videos. Yep. And I'm like, who is this kid? <laughs> And she, I'm like, she holy, TikTok. I'm like, holy smoke. She's got 2.5 million followers. That's insane. On a platform then, that was just coming up. And then the next time I looked, I'm like, she has 8 million followers. Well, I looked yesterday. Do you know what she's at? Is she at 12 already? 25 million Whoa. followers. And that's because TikTok wants everybody coming to their platform. So you get all the views and all the followers and all the likes. And it's very organic and very easy. But there's going to come a time when TikTok's algorithm is going to begin to restrict that reach, forcing you into some situation where you have to pay 100% to get that reach. And that's their business model. That's what Instagram did. The yep. first step is when they changed um, your feed from chronological, chronological yeah that was the first big change and that yeah. was early on when it's algorithmic based now yeah and so we're even seeing now because we have to disclose in canada by law when uh, a post on instagram is paid we have to disclose well when instagram the algorithm reads hashtag paid or hashtag right. partner it dials back your reach, you know, where, where one picture, 25,000 people might see it. As soon as you put hashtag partner, 
dialed right back. So they're like, we have a platform for people that are partners where they have to pay, and that's how they get to play in our system. So why would we honor or uh, why would we leverage them and the regular system when there is our business platform for that? Absolutely. So go ahead and make an ad. So, and so if you partner with a lot of brands, I know that's one of the things that we're trying to navigate through is we've had seasons where we've had lots of partnerships and that's impacted our organic reach for sure. Right. And then we've also had partners who've said, oh, we want you to post a picture of our thing, but then we're going to put a bunch of money behind it to boost it. I was just going to ask you if they, do you put that in some of your, um, uh, proposals say, hey, we need to have a certain amount of budget because of the restrictions that we're going to be ha- uh, going to be had on this type of post. Yeah, you guys talk and about so, that. Yeah. So some brands will say right up front, like, yeah, we're going to boost it. We'll give you X amount of dollars. Right. You know, usually it's like fifty bucks, a hundred bucks. And then there are other bigger brands who are running bigger uh, campaigns with lots of influencers. Yeah, they'll use the influencer interface and they'll do on their end they can oh. pay so we don't see how much they're paying we just see like wow there's a lot of people seeing that post <laughs> very interesting and do you think that like for somebody who's newer starting in this can they still make it like if somebody if somebody is you like oh you know what i would love to maybe it's vlogs you know maybe i'm, I'm going to be the next david dobrik or something like that like uh, how is there still space for them on, a, on any given platform? I think there's space for people to get into the industry. Absolutely. Especially if you are passionate about it and creative and unique. Um, if you think you're just going to create a beautiful grid on Instagram and all the followers are going to come. You're Trust me, I've tried. It doesn't work. Totally going to be wrong. My suggestion to anyone thinking of getting into the influencer space is hop on a new platform like TikTok because they are in that phase of just throwing followers at you. I heard, um, maybe it was Gary Vee. He said, said something really interesting. He said like, look, imagine if you were around a hundred years ago and you could get really cheap waterfront property in Manhattan. Right. And and like, you could just get this big chunk of property in Manhattan and it's yours and you just held on to it for a hundred years. Think about how much that would be worth today. That's what we're living in right now. Well, that waterfront property is now a big following on a new platform like TikTok. Yeah, I was on another podcast and I mentioned, you know, one of my uh, not greatest regrets, but something that I, I thought about a couple of years ago. Um, I was like, I can't believe this happened. Was when, you know, I had a, a YouTube account in 2011. And one of the things I don't know why, <coughs> one of the things I realized that I don't know why is is why did I not recognize the globalization of the internet? Like, I was around when Twitter started in t- 2007. I was around for when uh, Instagram started. I was. Did around. you think Twitter was super weird when it came out? Yeah. I thought, it, I thought it was so weird. I didn't understand it fully. All these different things. I'm like, I'm, I'm the perfect demographic. I was born in 86. I should be all on top of all this stuff. I was on these platforms when they came out. I had a Gmail account when they first, you know what I mean? Like I was on all these different platforms. And yet I never, it never clicked until, you know, maybe like five years ago where it was like, oh, okay, this is actually really a tool that is, um, that leverages 
the fact that we're all connected and how you can see views and you can see uh, stories and you can see the impact of what you're doing on a massive, massive scale. And before that, I'm like, how did I not have more YouTube videos? I had a YouTube channel for you know almost a decade now. It's absolutely crazy. I don't know. Did you have any early channels that you had? No. No, I, I didn't. I was like, when, I remember when YouTube first came out, I was a youth worker and this kid uh, came into my office and he's like, you got to check this out. It's on YouTube. I'm like, what's YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> and this is like, I think 2006. Yeah. Uh, 2005, 2006. I'd never heard of it. And I was like, oh, okay, show me. And I got on. I'm like, YouTube. Okay, this looks interesting. And it was a video of his brother getting into a fight in an alley in the town. And like, <laughs> wait a minute. You guys record your brother beating this kid up and put it on the internet? Like, you can put anything on the internet with YouTube. Yeah, the first video I posted on YouTube, probably in like 20, 2009, 2010, maybe. Um, I must have been 2011 when I first joined. Yeah, 2011. And uh, it was just a random video, like a music video that I I thought I shot with some, like with some people in it, and it, it was nothing big at all, okay, at all, at all, at all. But it got like seven hundred views, and it, and even that didn't convince me that I should do it more. Yeah, like that's I just thought it was weird. Like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, seven hundred people saw that. But I ended up having this weird idea is like YouTube is for weird people who are fighting in the alley and want to show others. I'm like, I, it's I don't know. If you look with the right uh, yeah. key search text, <laughs> it's, it's a really strange place. And then, uh, yeah, I can't remember what, what made me realize like uh, it's time to get on board. Um, I didn't, yeah. Well, with Christine, she decided on her own um, that she wanted to make YouTube videos. And so she did a video, a tutorial on how to cut a kid's hair. She doesn't know how to cut a kid's hair. Oh, that's so funny. But she <laughs> answered a question, which is huge for YouTube. Yeah, and the, this, I think it's got like 250,000 views. That's hilarious. And it wasn't monetized for the first 40,000 views. Yeah, and she yeah, just yeah, checked yeah. in. And and uh, it's funny, you read the comments. Um, people don't like the tutorial, but they're going there and they're still watching it. They're still watching it to this day. And then the next video she posted was a series on how to decorate a Christmas tree. I think I've seen that one. Yeah. And what well, we had, we talked about it because it, the video quality is awful. <laughs> that series every single Christmas, it comes up again. It, like it makes us, you know, a couple thousand dollars. The That's amount so of funny. views so it funny. gets in a very short period of time. Every like mid-November, you can look at the the yeah. stats on it and it just goes crazy and it'll get hundreds of thousands of views over, you know, a couple of weeks leading into Christmas. And and like I said, these are not good videos. Canon Rebel T1i. Whoa. No dual pixel autofocus. That's the way whole thing before dual is pixel. autofocus. There is no <laughs> shotgun mic. It is <laughs> like the worst quality. And uh and yeah, I don't know why we didn't realize like holy cow, there's a lot of people watching this stuff. We need to make great videos and uh and really go for it. And it, this now does she post frequently? Yeah, so at this point we post Every week. So we post some kind of video. That's probably the hardest platform that I find uh, for, for the stuff that I do is, is YouTube because 
I don't have a dedicated space for it. I got to set stuff up for it. And it ends up becoming a hassle. I did it for like, I don't know, a couple of months, beginning of like last year or the year before that. And I found that to be the most challenging, finding a way to produce content that people want. Because I feel like I know stuff that people want to hear, but then it becomes so much work with the technical stuff. Yeah. And I'm a, more of a perfectionist when it comes to video. And it's like, you can't make it the way you want it in your head. You have to, good enough has to be good enough. And that, yeah, you just got to get over that because here's this video of Christine decorating a Christmas right, tree. Exactly. The color temperature is awful. <laughs> the It's out of focus. The audio's terrible. And it's over the years gotten over a million views. Oh my gosh. Then last year, I shot, we were at Disney and I'm like, I'm going to do a really great Disney Springs. I've never seen that promo. Telling people like all the things to do at Disney Springs in was Orlando. That, was that with the travel travel tourism board of Orlando? Not that one. No, okay. that was just us on a holiday, but I wanted to do, uh, I wanted to answer a question. What's to do at Disney Springs? Nice. So I'm like, I used a drone. Like I flew <laughs> a drone over that thing. <laughs> I shot that thing in log and spent hours oh, color grading it. You know, I had good, like a full frame camera, multiple lenses. We went there at daytime, nighttime. I'm using picture profiles, everything. Then I edited it. Doing all the things. I created transitions in uh, um, Adobe After Effects. Nice. I everything every aspect of this video, and it's a great video. It's gotten a hundred and fifty views. <laughs> It goes to tell you that the story wins, right? Like the fact that she did a, a, a detailed tutorial on how to flock and decorate a Christmas tree it goes, it, it goes to show that you answered the question somebody was asking and it provided immeasurable value to the person who was watching it. Now, we, you and I, this is my approach too, doing all the extra stuff, thinking that thinking that that's going to help, it actually doesn't. The rate of return exponentially goes the opposite direction, right? The So it's so the more things you do to the video, the the harder it, it more things it becomes a barrier to, uh, or it's less noticeable. So people don't, it's not, it's not good, it's just that people don't necessarily care as much or they don't notice as much. Yeah. Right? Like if you shot exactly what you just said, but with a red camera, the rate of return is even smaller. Yep. Because it's like it's already clear, it's already in focus, it's already shot and exposed well. And now you've just upgraded the camera by ten thousand dollars. I can't see ten thousand dollars worth of change yep. inside the video. So I think, yeah, I guess like that goes to like the same thing that I was experiencing where I was spending so much time focusing on a lot of the um, technical side of it that you you sometimes lose the story inside of it. So maybe that's a lesson for everybody who's like trying to get started you don't need any major thing get yourself a youtube camera go get a t3i or t5i whatever they're at now t7i 500 bucks you got yourself a camera if that's what you can spend if not i'm sure your cell phone could do a pretty good job and then once you do that once you start taking those videos focused on what you're actually going to be talking about what you're going to be showing what mm -hmm. the content is going to be and i think especially for youtube what i learned is the uh the regularity the discipline of posting weekly or posting daily or whatever your schedule is that is huge for your following super huge all of all of my i don't know 60 followers that i have all came in like the first like month of me doing 
YouTube because I was posting every single week. Yeah. And the moment I stopped, that's the moment my, my growth stopped as well. Yep. That's the way it works. No, absolute consistency over perfection. 100%. All right, before we sign off, anything else you want to add before we leave? Um, the one thing I would say is that, uh, you know, the influencer marketing, I think, is something that's going to be around for a long time. Uh, I think it's a great place for creative, adventurous individuals who are maybe sometimes lack the attention span for conventional jobs. It's a great uh, employment option. Uh, however, it, it is it takes a lot of work. It's hard work. It's not just posting pictures. Um, it, it's not just, you know, great captions and posting pictures. What I would say, though, is, um, you know, do do your research and find like I said earlier, TikTok is a new platform. 100%. You can't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, we know uh, a segment of bloggers who had, you know, 40,000 Twitter followers. And when we first started getting into the influencer space, they didn't really like us because, oh, what, they're just on Instagram? Oh, well, I have 50,000 Twitter followers and we're getting the work that they weren't. Yep. They failed to pivot because Twitter was it for a while. Oh, yeah. And they failed to pivot to Instagram. Um, you know, I think we're in a place where if you want to be an influencer marketing, marketer, um, you need to pivot to the next platform. And 100%. don't just leave one behind, but expand to the next market because um, it's... It's rapidly changing. It is a yeah. rapidly changing industry, and you need to be paying attention to those changes or you will get left behind. 100%. I think uh, those are wise, wise words. <laughs> because you know what? There's going to be a time where the eyeballs change, right? And you got to go where the eyeballs are at. If people are 100%. watching or viewing or reading or listening to whatever platform, then you got to be open enough to change. And that's what happened to all the other companies. We already know that. Anyway, that's it for this episode. Chris, why don't you give us again your social media handles for the company? Uh, Amidst.the.chaos. That's Instagram or Mr. Amidst the Chaos. Uh, and then the website is amidstthechaos.ca. You can find us on Facebook. You can also find us on YouTube. There you go, guys. Go like and follow and subscribe. That is the More Life Podcast. Thank you.